We'll turn this morning to, for, uh, to 2 Samuel and to chapter 5. 2 Samuel chapter 5, we were considering this last Lord's Day. And uh, we want to just continue down that chapter. 2 Samuel chapter 5. Then came all the tribes of Israel to David unto Hebron, and spake, saying, Behold, we are thy bone and thy flesh. Also in time past, when Saul was caught king over us, thou wast he that ledest out and broughtest in Israel. And the Lord said to thee, Thou shalt feed my people Israel, and thou shalt be a captain over Israel. So all the elders of Israel came to the king to Hebron, and King David made a league with them in Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed him, and they anointed David king over Israel. David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years. In Hebron he reigned over Judah seven years and six months, and in Jerusalem he reigned 30 and three years over all Israel and Judah. And the king and his men went to Jerusalem unto the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, which spake unto David, saying, Except thou take away the blind and the lame, thou shalt not come in hither, thither, hither thinking, David cannot come in hither. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion. The same is the city of David. And David said on that day, Whosoever getteth up to the gutter and smiteth the Jebusites and the lame and the blind that are hated of David's soul, he shall be chief and captain. Wherefore they said, The blind and the lame shall not come into the house. So David dwelt in the fort and called it the city of David. And David built round about from Millo and inward. And David went on and grew great, and the Lord God of hosts was with him. And Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David, and cedar trees, and carpenters, and masons, and they built David an house. And David perceived that the Lord had established him king over Israel, and that he had exalted his kingdom for his people Israel's sake. And David took him more concubines and wives out of Jerusalem after he was come from Hebron. And there was yet sons and daughters born to David. And these be the names of those that were born unto him in Jerusalem, Shamur and Shobab, and Nathan and Solomon, Ibhar also, and Elishua, and Nepheg, and Japhia, and Elishama, and Eliada, and Eliphalet. But when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines came up to seek David. And David heard of it and went down to the hold. The Philistines also came and spread themselves in the valley valley of Rephaim. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to the Philistines? Will thou deliver them into mine hand? The Lord said unto David, Go up. For I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into thine hand. And David came to Baal Perazim, and David smote them there, and said, The Lord hath broken forth upon mine enemies before me, as the breach of waters. Therefore he called the name of that place Baal Perazim. And there they left their images, and David and his men burned them. And the Philistines came up yet again, and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. When David inquired of the Lord, he said, Thou shalt not go up, but fetch a compass behind them. 
and come upon them over against the mulberry trees. And let it be, when thou hearest the sound of a going in the top of the mulberry trees, that then thou shalt bestir thyself. For then shall the Lord go out before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. And David did so, as the Lord had commanded him, and smote the Philistines from Geba until thou come to Gaza. Amen. We thank the Lord again for the reading of his word. Let's unite our hearts in prayer. Our Father, we thank thee this day that we are able to meet once again in thy presence. We pray, Lord, that thou was minister to us the word of God. We pray, Father, that it might be once again given to us that we might have an understanding, that we might look at those parts of the scripture which so often are overlooked. We pray, Lord, that thou was build up our comprehension, both of 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, the mighty works of God in the days of David. And Lord, we thank thee that in the days of the Lord Jesus Christ, many of these things were filled full as the Lord overcame all of those who would seek to seek uh, to destroy him. Even death itself was overcome as he rose again the third day, triumphant, as he ascended to heaven, there to sit at the right hand of God, and there to rule. And Lord, we pray that thou wast bless us as we seek to follow him and look unto him, and to trust in him, that we indeed might be as David was with the people of Israel, that we might be in covenant with our king. Lord, that we might know the blessing of the Lord upon us. Hear our prayer, we ask thee. Give us victories also over the Philistines, over those, O Lord, who would seek to destroy thee. And Lord, we pray that we might know the blessing of the Lord our God. Hear our prayer, we ask and continue with us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We were considering uh, last Lord's Day concerning the reign of David and his taking of the stronghold of Zion and we saw there that Zion was the fortress at that time that the temple was not yet built Uh, even the hill itself was not yet uh, populated it it just had on it a threshing floor the threshing floor uh, of Arona and so it was it seems outside of the city itself the city being on the south side of the of Mount Moriah it is perhaps the reason why David so much wanted to take the castle, the stronghold of Zion, uh, because it was in such a place. And uh, Moriah, of course, is where Abraham went up and sought to sacrifice his son Isaac, where the Lord stepped in. It was a holy place then in, uh, in the sense that it was chosen of God uh, for that sacrifice. It was a holy place in the fact that it was there that God spoke in such an audible way to Abraham and that he foreshadowed there upon uh, that mount the sacrifice, the um, sacrifice of another in the place of the one who should have been sacrificed. The Lord, of course, gives us the Lord Jesus Christ that he might be our substitute, that we should not die, but that Christ would die in our place. And we give thanks for that. For that is the gospel. That is the good news that our salvation uh, dwells in Christ and in God. So David took that stronghold and it became the city of David and he built from it, uh, from Milo it says, and inward, and inward we saw last time means to the house, uh, which we reckoned was perhaps because Hiram sent messages to David and they built David in house. And maybe it was the building of the city that thus far. 
But then we want to go down and see that there is something else here. There are three things, really. First of all, there is the crowning of David. Secondly, there is the victory of David over the stronghold of Zion. And we see that God was with him in his battles against someone. So when he goes out and he's the aggressor, the Lord is with him. And then thirdly, we find that the Philistines come against David. And this time, uh, the Lord is his defense and his shield. So the Lord goes out with us into battle. And he also defends us when the battle comes to us. That's a wonderful encouragement to us. And we know that the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, uh, both defeated the devil and also cast off all attacks upon him. Uh, the Lord is our victory. And we thank the Lord for it. I want to consider this from verse 17, uh, where we read, And the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel. And all the Philistines came up to seek David. David heard of it, went down to the hold. And the Philistines also came and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to the Philistines? Wilt thou deliver them into mine hand? And the Lord said unto David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into thine hand. That section then uh, down to the end of verse 21 we want to consider today. The first thing to say that is that the Philistines, when they hear that David has become king over Israel, they come up to seek him. Well, they're not coming up to seek to congratulate him. Uh, they are coming up to, uh, to fight against him. They spread themselves in an array in the, in the valley of Rephaim. The valley of Rephaim, the word Rephaim means the valley of giants. The valley of giants. And here they come. And they seek to overcome him. We ask the question there, well, why? What difference does it make? They already had an enemy in Saul. They had fought against David in the past. But they'd had relative peace, I suppose, uh, in the fact that Saul had become weakened and the fact that David had gone down to them. If you remember how that David went down to Achish, the king of Gath, and he had dwelt there at, with Achish, and then he had gone down to Ziklag, and he had dwelt there with his people. And so there was a, a relative calm. But now David has become king. Now all the nation has been drawn together. Both Judah, which the Philistines knew was strong because David in time past had gone out with his men uh, marauding. And we'll consider that in just a moment. But also the fact that now Israel, the whole of Israel, is together. And Philistia is just this small section on the coast. Uh, reckoned to be those who had come across the sea, some say from Tarshish, uh, and that they had taken the coastal areas and were seeking to invade further in to the land in the Middle East of those days. So why? What are the grievances that the Philistines have, particularly against David? Well, of course, first of all, we have to say that there is the defeat of Goliath. How that David had gone out uh, with just five stones and with a sling and he had fought against this great giant Goliath, this glorious man. Um, if you can cast your mind back that far, um, it must be a, a, probably a couple of years at least now that we've, uh, since we've considered Goliath. Goliath was a giant, first of all. Uh, we reckon uh, somewhere around nine feet uh, tall. He was a warrior from his birth, the scripture says. Uh, he had been a fighter from his birth. That's what Saul says concerning him. He was perhaps a mercenary. Uh, it con we considered that in the fact of the weaponry which he carried. 
Remember what David said about Goliath's sword? Give me that. There is none like it. There is none like it. David took the sword of Goliath. We read of his spear, that it was like a weaver's beam. And we consider that at the time, that is not speaking about its thickness. Because the weaver's beam is not particularly thick. It is talking about its straightness. It was a piece of wood which was straight. And it had an iron uh, tip on it. It was the weapon of a professional soldier. And probably, uh, as we have said, probably a mercenary. He was a, a great a man to come out and nobody in, in the armies of Israel who were for the most part just ordinary men wanted to go out and fight with this seasoned professional and yet David goes out and David actually had an advantage as some have pointed out in the fact that he had missiles uh, and Goliath only had a spear nevertheless Goliath had fought many a battle and David had fought only against the lion and the bear which didn't have the intelligence of course that David had But David defeats him. So the first grievance we can say that the Philistines would have against David was the fact that David fought against their uh, great champion and defeated him. And now here he is, the king of Israel. That was a a great um, publicity coup, if you like to use modern parlance. That David was the man who defeated this great giant of a man, this champion of the Philistines. And we know that they, the Philistines ran, and it was a great shame to them that they ran from the face of the armies of Israel, and uh, many of them fell at that time. It, it tells us this in First uh, Samuel seventeen, verse fifty-two. After that, he was the champ; their champion was dead. That they fled. The men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted, pursued the Philistines until thou come to the valley, to the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell down by the way to Sha'arim, even unto Gath and unto Ekron. And the children of Israel returned from chasing after the Philistines, and they spoiled their tents. And no doubt uh, the conquests of David, therefore, were something which were thorn in the side of the Philistines. Now some, we, we need to keep in mind that quite often the victories which the Lord gives us are the very goads which uh, press the wicked one to come after us. Quite often, after a victory that we might win in our personal lives, uh, even victories over our own flesh, victories over the attacks of the world, or the suggestions of the world, or even the people over the world, may be followed by the attacks upon us. Remember this from Matthew's Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He fed the 5,000, if you remember. Now, after he fed the 5,000, he said to his disciples that they should uh, get into a ship. This is Matthew 14, verse 22. Straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship. This is what they were going to do before the Lord Jesus preached all day to the 5,000 and then fed them all. Uh, he constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. When the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. But you can imagine the disciples, how excited they were that Jesus had taken these uh, these. Um, uh, five loaves and two fishes and fed a multitude of 5,000 plus women and children 
and how elated they were and how excited they were and their conversation upon the ship and then this great storm comes upon them and they are afraid and we need to keep in mind what the lord jesus christ did on the contrary after they had got into the ship to go over to the other side all elated and excited which is what we can so easily be when we have a victory of one kind or another Jesus went up alone into the mountain to pray. And Jesus, it seems, always went alone into some deserted place to pray because he knows the, uh, the, the bringing forth of, uh, well, let's use the word which is used to the woman when she touches the hem of his garment, that he knew that virtue had gone out from him. And when we gain a victory and the Spirit of God has been with us and we have overcome the virtue, it seems, goes out from us and we feel weakened and then the devil will attack. And this is the, the, the problem of our lives. Jesus went away into the mountain to pray. The disciples were tossed to the waves. The wind was contrary. And because of David's conquests, the Philistines come up to fight against him. They remember what he has done. They come that they might defeat him and overcome him before he is able really to establish himself as the king, before he is able to draw the nation together, to build armies, to come against them. They seek to take him in his weakness, and they consider it to be a weakness, but they're not really counting on the fact that David has the Lord. And then, of course, the grievance of the Philistines is also in David's conduct, you remember how David at uh, one point went down to Achish and uh, he comes to Achish and he uh, speaks softly to Achish and Achish accepts him and uh, then David uh, has found grace into the, uh, in the eyes of Achish. In 1 Samuel 27 and verse 5, David said to Achish, if I have now found grace in thine eyes, let them give me a place in some town in the country that I may dwell there. For why should thy servant dwell in the royal city with thee? Then Achish gave him Ziklag that day. Wherefore Ziklag pertaineth unto the kings of Judah, Judah unto this day. See, David had, had ingratiated himself with the king of Gath. He had uh, deceived him, really. So that the king of Gath thought that David was on his side. And Achish would ask David how he got on, and, and he thought he was fighting for the Philistines. Now, David's conduct was one of deception. You see, when we are attacked by the devil, and we may be seemed, seeming to do well, it's not necessarily because God has told us to do something, but that we have gone our own way. And both of these things can bring on the, the, the attacks and the weaknesses which come on to us afterwards. Now, Achish asked him in 27 verse 10, 1 Samuel 27 verse 10, Whither have ye made a road today? And David said, Against the south of Judah. Now you see, Achish thinks he's actually fighting against Judah. But he is not saying that he has fought. This equivocation, this double meaning to what he is saying, to the south of Judah, it was to the south of Judah, but it was south from Judah, not south into Judah. But Achish uh, was deceived by these words. And he says, In the south of Judah and against the south of the Jeremielites and against the south of the Kenites. 
And David saved neither man nor woman alive to bring tidings to Gath, saying, lest they should tell on us, saying, so did David, and so we will be his manner all the while he dwelleth in the country of the Philistines. And Achish believed David, saying, he hath made his people Israel utterly to abhor him, therefore he shall be my servant forever. Achish had deluded himself that David was his friend, that David would be with him even to the point where he was willing to send David out as the rear guard of the Philistines as they went to battle against Saul. Achish was going to put David at the back. And he said, he will be the keeper of my head. And we, we looked at this at the time and we, we saw the, the uh, conundrum, which, David, which was David's, because what was he going to do? He couldn't fight against his own people. And perhaps there was this... Um, uh, unwillingness in some ways to to fight against the Philistines because well it comes upon us doesn't it that we have deceived them and that that's not chivalrous really to to get into such a situation but we can go back to that sermon if you like that'll be there somewhere I think on sermon audio uh, if I've uploaded it yet it will be there so uh, we find that there is this of David's conduct, the deception of Gath king, Achish. And his men, the Akash, uh, um, Achish's men, say, well, we can't allow him to come with us. As soon as we get into battle, he's going to attack us. And they see it, but Achish doesn't. And when the time comes that David now is to be crowned, now all of his men who said, no, David will attack us, they are found to be right, and Akish is found to be wrong, and that surely must have been shame for him in his folly. This was not what the Lord had told him to do. He had gone to Akish, uh, not with any counsel from the Lord to do it. But again, we find these grievances of the Philistines to come against him. And then there is David's crowning itself. The fact that David is now to be crowned the king. That Achish, the Philistines, had actually helped him. They had protected him from Saul. They, they, they had encompassed him. They had cared for him. They had given him a place to dwell in, in, in Ziklag. They, they, they had watched over him. And now, he has been accepted by his own people. Remember, Achish said that, that he has really offended the people of Israel and you will be my servant forever. Now he is king over Israel. And so they come that they might fight against him. They had had opportunities to rid themselves of David, this slayer of their champion, this thorn in their side. They had had opportunities to defeat him, to overthrow him, just to kill him by himself, and not even need to go into battle with his men. They had missed them all. And now they come that they might fight against him. So we find them gathering together and we find this place where they gather. The Philistines also came, verse 18, and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. Now the Rephaim were the giants, so they're gathering in the valley of the giants, which I think is ironic in the fact that it was David who destroyed their giant. Whether they realized what the irony was to come and gather in this uh, valley of the giants the valley of the giants it seems was on the east side of uh, what is now jerusalem or on zion and they seem to gather themselves there and 
This is the place that they chose. In Joshua 15 and verse 8, we read something concerning this. It says, And the border went up by the valley of the son of Hinnom. That's on the south side of Jerusalem. Uh, the valley of the son of Hinnom, which the valley of Hinnom uh, translates in Greek to Ge, which is the valley, Henna. So Gehenna uh, is the place where the refuse was burned, where people caused their children to pass through the fire to Molech. So the border went up by the valley of the son of Hinnom unto the south side of the Jebusite, the same as Jerusalem. And the border went up to the top of the mountain that lieth before the valley of Hinnom westward, which is at the end of the valley of the giants, northward. So here is the valley of Hinnom going off one way and the valley of the giants going off the other way. And here they are in this valley of the giants. Ironic that the Philistines' first encounter with David was in a valley with a giant. It wasn't this valley, uh, but it was in a valley with a giant. And we find that David then goes down for protection. He goes down to the fort. It tells us here uh, in verse uh, verse 17, when David heard of it, he went down to the hold or the stronghold, which presumably is Zion because we know that it was a fortress. It was a castle. Uh, and so presumably that's what's being spoken of here, that David has gone down to the hold. So his first reaction is to go into the protection of the hold of Zion. For us, if we were to expand that into its spiritual aspects further on in the scripture, not at this time, and David wouldn't particularly be aware of this, or what it would become uh, later on, even in David's own writings. Uh, but we too find our, our solace, our protection in the stronghold of Zion. We are in the presence of the Lord. Zion is uh, uh, beautiful in the sides of the north as the scripture speaks of it. Psalm 48, verse 2, beautiful for situation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. Uh, the word on not being in the original, but just Mount Zion, the sides of the north, the city of the great king. Uh, well, Mount Zion seems to be on the south, but if you were looking at it, of course, you would see it on the north. It would be north of you looking at it because otherwise you'd be up on the mountain behind it. So here we have the protection which he seeks. First of all, he goes into the stronghold of Zion and the Lord is his protection. And we know that this is his purpose because of the prayer which ensues. Uh, and it was that he asked of the Lord in verse 19, shall I go up to the Philistines? Wilt thou deliver them into mine hand? First thing that occurred to my mind was they're in a valley. Why is he saying, shall I go up to them? That seems a funny thing to say. Surely he should have said, well, shall I go down to them? But of course, it's just a term, isn't it, that we use. I'm going up the road to the shop. It doesn't matter whether it's up a hill or down. Uh, probably we would say if it was up an actual hill, I'm going up to the shop. But we do talk about going up the road and down the road. And it doesn't really matter what the incline is one way or the other. And so he is saying, shall I go up? Shall I face them? And the Lord says, go up, I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into thine hand. So we see the place of this is in the valley. We see the protection that David protect, uh, seeks, which is in the fortress, and the prayer which he offers before the Lord. David has learned so many lessons. 
And we think about the extent of David's life up until this point. Now he is 30 years of old. He was a stripling, uh, ruddy of face, the Bible says, when he fought against Goliath. And we took that at the time as someone who perhaps had not uh, uh, developed uh, the ability to grow a full beard. Uh, when it speaks about his, his uh, countenance, he was a young man then. Uh, we don't know how old, the Bible doesn't tell us. But nevertheless, he was a young man. And all of the years which ensued, since the time when Samuel had poured that vial of oil upon his head and anointed him that he should be king, all of those years, God had been teaching him, instructing him, uh, he had been leading him, and he had learned so many different things. And now the first thing he does is he finds solace in the fortress of Zion. And then he comes before the Lord in prayer. And he says, Lord, what should I do? Should I go up? And the Lord says, go up. I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into thine hand. Let's ask the question, have you learned to pray? Have you learned to seek the Lord through the troubles and difficulties of life? Have you understood how important it is to call upon the Lord as David did? And the Lord's answer comes to him, go up. So he goes into this place and he calls it later on Baal Peretzim, which means the Lord of the breach. The Lord of the breach. And it's explained in these verses, verse 20. David smote them there and said, The Lord hath broken forth upon mine enemies before me as the breach of waters. Therefore he called the name of that place Baal Peretzim. And there they left their images and David and his men burned them. So here is this breach, and it, it seems that what David is describing, and we can only imagine what he is describing here, was the fact that when Israel, when the armies of David went against the Philistines, they just overwhelmed them. And the Philistines were defeated easily. The Lord went before them. And the Lord perhaps put fear in their hearts. Perhaps he had caused them to turn tail and fear and flee. We know that the Lord can put fear in hearts. We know that in the days of Hezekiah, uh, when they came, uh, they found that the Lord had worked in the, in the uh, armies there and they had just fled and left everything behind. The Lord is able to bring fear. And so there is this breach there and he speaks about it as being the breach. Interesting, actually, these words um, uh, which follow and... and I'm going to bring in the second part of this here, which I think we'll just leave it probably at that and go on to the next chapter after this. Because we read in verse 22, the Philistines came yet again and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. And this time they were ready. This time they thought that they would be able to repel the attack, that they would be able to win the victory. Uh, that first defeat uh, they had encouraged themselves and they had come back and perhaps using the words of 1 Samuel, play the man. And so they had come back to fight again. But this time the Lord says, David does the same thing, goes and prays. This time the Lord says, no, don't go up against them, but come round behind them. And when you hear the going in the mulberry trees, then come out and fight against them. Well, the word for the mulberry trees is a word uh, which means the balsam, a balsam tree. And the balsam tree is an interesting tree in the fact that when you cut it, it drips. It drips its sap. And balsam, you've probably heard the word, is a, a kind of a, a material which is used in, in ointments. 
and the, ba the balsam will continue to drip from the trees. And here it is in this same valley. So the mulberry trees were in the valley, in this valley of the giants. It's the same valley, which is why I'm bringing these two things together. And I wonder when he speaks about this breach and the breach of waters, that whether he is speaking perhaps of or referring to this same thing in Psalm 84, which we read earlier. For in Psalm 84 and verse 6 it says, Who passing through the valley of Baca make it a well. Well, you won't make the connection because, of course, it's a different word, isn't it? And uh, so we have the valley of Baca and we have the mulberry trees. But in Hebrew, it's the same word, spelled the same way. It is given a slight different meaning. Uh, the word Baca in uh, Psalm 84 is speaking about weeping. And the mulberry trees, well, the mulberry trees do weep when you cut them. And I wonder if the totes, both these things are speaking of the same. And when David speaks in Psalm 84 about passing through the valley of Baca, make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. Whether here is a reference to the strength of the Lord. Verse 5 of Psalm 84. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, in whose heart are the ways of them who passing through the valley of Baca make it a well. That the Lord was with them. David remembers this victory and he refers to this victory in that very uh, psalm. So we have this, this great victory which comes forth in the valley of the giants, not once, but twice. And the Lord overcomes them, and they are defeated. And David is victor. And this is the beginning of his battles. Remember Saul, when Saul became king, how that he went up uh, to, can't remember the name of the place, on the other side of Jordan. Maybe it will come to me in a moment, but it's not coming to me at the moment uh, just, just yet. But he went up and fought against uh, the enemies of the people who had been threatened with losing an eye if they were to kowtow to their oppressors. And uh, that was uh, Saul's first battle. And he gained the victory at that time. It's a tremendous thing to establish David's kingdom, that he is attacked and that he wins the battle. God has established David in such a tremendous way. First of all, he takes Zion. Then he defeats the enemies of Israel and he overcomes them. And we read here that they went, when uh, the, there they left their images and David and his burned them. Which is interesting because the actual word there for burned them is not the word for burned them at all. It is a word which if you have a margin, may, you may have there took them up, carried them away. So why have the translators put it as burned them in that case? Why have they changed this word altogether to burn them? Well, the answer uh, comes from the uh, book of Chronicles, First Chronicles in chapter 14. In verse 11, it is the same account uh, which is given in First Chronicles in 14.11. So they came up to Baal Peretzim and David smote them there. And David said, God hath broken in upon mine enemies by mine hand like the breaking forth of waters. Therefore they called the name of that place Baal Perazim. And when they had left their gods there, David gave a commandment and they were burned with fire. And there in 1 Chronicles 
Those are the words in the Hebrew. They were burned with fire. So in the comparison of these two thoughts, perhaps our translators have thought thought to themselves, well, this gives the impression that David carried them away and kept them. So we don't want that impression to be given. And First Chronicles tells us that he burned them. This only tells you that he carried them away. First Chronicles says that he burned them. So really, to put the two things together, we have to say that they carried them away and burned them. And so they've just translated it and burned them. So it is correct, even in its purpose, if not in a direct quotation or translation of the Hebrew just there. He burned them. And the reason why that is important is, of course, the fact that there is again this irony. If you remember from 1 Samuel, right at the beginning of 1 Samuel, such a long time ago, you'll remember how that the children of Israel were fighting against the Philistines. And the Philistines were winning the battles. And so they sent to the tabernacle and the two sons of Eli took up the ark of God and carried it into battle. And when they carried it into battle, the Lord gave them a defeat. They were defeated. And the ark of the Lord was taken. And the Philistines took the ark and they put the ark in the house of Dagon. And you'll remember how that when it was in the ark of Dagon, Dagon fell and it was broken. And they stood it up and it fell again. And his hands and his top heart top part was broken and God would not dwell in the same place with the idols of the heathen so the important thing here is that David didn't do that David didn't take their gods and bring them and put them in the tabernacle with the Lord David destroyed them and that is very important for us to understand that we cannot serve God and mammon we cannot serve God and the gods of this world We cannot bring these things together. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 14 says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? What concord hath Christ with Belial? What part hath he that believeth with an infidel? What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? We, if we learn something this day, must learn that we cannot mix these two things together. The world and the way of the Lord are opposed to each other. Try to mix them and the world will be destroyed. And we know that God will destroy the world and there will be a new heaven and a new earth. But if we bring them in to the house of God, then we defile ourselves. Where Paul is speaking in 2 Corinthians and verse six, uh, chapter 6 and verse 14, verse 16 rather, he goes on to say, For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. David did not do what the Philistines did. David took the idols of the Philistines and they destroyed them. They burned them. They would not have them. And here was the beginning of his kingship. It was one of purity. It was one of sanctification. 
It was one of the exaltation of the Lord and the rejection of the world and the ways of the world. The reason they had a king in Saul was because they said to Samuel, make us a king like unto the nations round about. The people wanted to be like the nations. But David, through these years, had been instructed that the way of the Lord is not the way of the world. That we can't bring the world into the house of God. That we can't use the world's methods. We use the Lord's methods. And if we come before the Lord and use his methods, then the Lord will bless them and he will work. So David is established. The Lord is with him. And he is able to go on uh, mightily in the name of the Lord, in the power of the Lord, establishing the kingdom, of course, uh, setting up for the building of the temple, but in all kinds of different ways. And we'll go on probably in chapter 6 next Lord's Day to see how he goes on to bring the house of the Lord into the presence of the centre of Israel at that time. May the Lord bless his word to us. May we take from it something for our own hearts and for our own souls and for our own sanctification.